You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform designed for and by outdoorsmen. Go Wild is a place to connect with other outdoorsmen, find fishing and hunting tips and tactics, and you can even research and buy your gear. Join hundreds of thousands of other hunters, fishermen, and outdoorsmen and experience what this community is all about. Download it today at DownloadGoWild.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back, guys. Land and Legacy Podcast here. Adam and Matt. Matt's on yes, the road, sir. so if you hear a little background noise, you know what's up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hope everyone's doing well this week. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting there, Adam. I think that you are too. There, you know, you, you and Chad talk about later, or, or I guess on the other podcast this week. Um, there's just so much going on that it's sometimes mentally tough to get ready and into the mindset of season. But I think we're going to try and do that a little bit this week on on this this podcast yeah yeah uh you know one thing about our podcast we don't talk a ton on hunting scenarios or or uh, ultimately gear gear is one thing we don't really talk on a lot we've done a few podcasts in the past but um we uh we really like the broadhead the great broadhead debate that's occurring right now is is not really been a part of our our message um but as we get closer into hunting season we do kind of shift at least on one of these podcasts to talk more about the hunting because that's a big part of why we do what we do why we get paid to do what we do and why we enjoy the outdoors as much as we do is kind of the the top of the iceberg as as being um, either spring turkey season or fall archery season. And that's kind of the peak for for a lot of people of the overall enjoyment. Everything comes back to that. Um, yeah, and so it, here it, we are. And it's a, it's a good time, too. I know we talked about last year we had a really good podcast um, talking about, like, transitioning into the idea of, of this is a herd management season and you could still improve property and make changes and, uh, you know, in, it really increase your opportunity and say over a property, what's happening in the population dynamic during hunting season. It's not just chasing things with antlers on their head. And I think Adam, you got, you and Chad talked about that this week too. It's like, 
we can use this to to um, manage and, and basically hit other objectives on a property. Yeah. So it's herd management season just as much as hunting season. Yeah, we can't I, forget that. I think that's a big that's a big one right now. And in, in my experience, is is the years. You know, I talk about it in great detail over on the other podcast, but really uh, a lot of, a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this a lot, is our whole season is devoted on the, the, the buck that we're hoping shows up. And then um, we drag out the whole season of going, well, he never showed up. And, and we left that, that whole season, we didn't manage the herd and we didn't do any work on the farm because we didn't want to, possibly bump the deer that wasn't there anyway and and so to me that's you know uh, as we're going in a fall i can't emphasize that enough to to our listeners is just because it's hunting season doesn't mean don't do the work just because it's hunting season yep. you know you can do habitat work and you can also it, most importantly you need to do herd management work um and and i mean uh, we've got a podcast coming up on this but one of the big things is obviously thinning out antlerless does but then another thing you can be doing is working on and and i almost don't even like this word because it causes such a big picture uh, definition when it's a very small thing that we're talking about is culling um and really ultimately what we're trying to do is find those bucks that are mature that we may not necessarily want to put our tag on but we're trying to get them killed because they're very aggressive or they're they're one of the main bucks in this food plot and you can see how aggressive they are to some of your younger bucks who were already nicer and it's like we want to get we we want to make sure we take them out and uh you know that's kind of a something our our friend seth harker tries to do um there's a and, lot of other people that try to do um and, and are, are really really uh effective at it and that's one thing that you know, we tried to do last year and dad said no nope, not the buck i want um, <laughs> so that's Thank another you, thing you can do yeah yeah so but, but at the same time like that's that's important and, and that's more of like a a herd like social dynamic yeah factor even even opposed to just the overall population dynamic that we man we just cannot forget about and and under i think so many people just undervalue the the implications of that um on the whole system yeah. And that's where this all gets tied back to um, there's there's it seems like there's a category almost of like land management and then wildlife management when really it's all one in the same. Um, and, and, and this is kind of into the aspect of being able to have our control based on seasons and regulations of that wildlife management aspect of it. So don't don't forget that even though you're a landowner and trying to improve the habitat. This is strongly correlated with it. Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one thing I want to point out before we jump into this week's topic is the discount code FALL on shoplandandlegacy.com. F-A-L-L, just like one of our favorite seasons of the year, FALL. And that's going to give you $12 off the camo hats in our store. So we've got the whitetail deer conservation cap. Uh, with first light fusion camo, and then we have the wild turkey camo hat in the first light cipher. 
Um, and we've got a handful. We've got more turkeys than we have deer hats in stock. So if you're uh, if you hear this, you want to jump on it quick because there's a handful of the deer ones, and I don't know. There's a good a good uh, amount of turkeys, but use the promo code Fall, and you get twelve dollars off. Uh, one of those hats or each of those nice. hats. So per- perfect for getting into hunting season. I think they're both mesh back as too, correct? Uh-huh. So they're early both season back. is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So, um, and that's just kind of a thank you to you guys as we get ready to go into fall, um, uh, giving you a pretty good discount on the hat. So, um, also do, 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 I think that, um, that was pretty much all my major announcements. Oh, one other thing getting into the fall, um, one of our partners helped make this podcast possible, Vortex Optics. Um, if you use promo code LEGACY20 in the apparel part of the store, so that gets you 20% off all the apparel in at VortexOptics.com. Uh, and, you know, you think Vortex Optics, like, oh, it's rangefinders, they're going to have a few hats. They have almost like a, they could almost have a storefront in a mall for the amount of clothes that they have in yeah. that place. Like, you got great jackets, pullovers, hoodies, um, Obviously, T-shirts, I don't think a day goes by that I'm not wearing a Vortex T-shirt, it seems like, because they're so awesome. But um, the hats, socks, stocking caps, all kinds of different apparel. So use promo code LEGACY20 and and get you 20% off. All right. um, Jumping in. Matt, this is kind of your topic. You're you're the one coming up with this as we're kind of wanting to start easing into the hunting season. Um, and we may cover a lot of other stuff coming up before it actually opens up or before we really get going crazy. But this is one of the, this is kind of an ongoing question that we get in all factors of what we do, um, when it comes to the apps, the phone apps that we use, because if you've ever been with us on a, if a client's listening, they know that we're on our phone a lot. And I and I almost always tell the cl- the client, hey, I'm not on my phone texting my wife or whatever. Like I work off my phone, so don't look over here and think that I'm Facebooking because I'm working <laughs> off of my phone. Uh, hey, bro, I'm scrolling right. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, that, that's that's uh, definitely a, a hot question we get through social media or just you know in in the um, uh, dealings with, with folks, and, and it's all about like how, how to make the determination or what's the best resource to be able to determine weather forecast for should I hunt or should I stay home? Should I, should yeah. I go to the tree stand or do I need to select the blind this afternoon or do I yeah. just stay at home? Um, or last week's- or do I decide to go and do work on the farm instead yeah. of hunting? That was something Chad and I covered uh, last night. Certainly. Certainly. Um, and did you guys talk about like the fact that like deer and wildlife, you know, we talk about keeping all these areas secure, like, but they, they tolerate chainsaw activity and a lot of more disturbance than we actually think. No, we didn't talk about that particularly. We, 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 we just that said that, time, you know, when we covered the, the whole, um, when, when you cover, uh, whether or not you should do the work and, and looking at it from a, if you don't do it now, you're going to wait till January and then you have to wait yeah. till the next September and October and November to actually see the results. So do it now and uh, you won't get that. You don't have the huge plant response, but you still have the, the woody structure and the vegetation and the, the trees still have leaves on them and they'll hold those leaves. Unlike a tree that loses its leaves in the That's fall right. and then you cut it down. So 
you know, if you if you cut a tree down and uh, that still has its leaves on, it'll hold on to them for a lot longer than than the trees that are just um, that just lose their leaves during the fall. Yeah, for sure. And we can get into that that topic of disturbance and what they tolerate in, in another podcast. But but there we don't give deer enough. Uh, we give I guess we give them too much credit. They really tolerate work and disturbances really especially pretty well, if so. you're improving the habitat and improving the cover like yeah if you're running yeah. a chainsaw it's way better than than probably what your neighbors who haven't ran a chainsaw or cut only a little bit cut the mid-story out in the yep. in the winter and they didn't cut the actual canopy so there's not enough sunlight to provide the plant response yada 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 so right yeah anyway. no that, that's uh basically go out and do work so, so these these apps are are uh, kind of what we use for determining what activity um, that that we are going to do accomplish in a, in a given week. Um, so, Adam, I know that your your schedule is it's very busy, um, both working and family life and everything. And now with the having the aspect of um, having cattle and managing rotating a herd and whatnot, like it's going to be even more limited to time of hunting and in the field. So. Being able to determine ahead of time what is quality um, and having that forecast available to you is super important. And, and same thing, we try not to um, overhunt areas. So, we're, so even even being like I'm, I'm now 15 minutes away from um, the lease, and so I have more time to be able to hunt, but that doesn't mean that I'm just going to go and hunt more. It's, it's, it's picking the quality day. So, so these two apps we're going to talk about, um, both are, are good and, and we may have more and you might throw in another one that, that you use, but we are looking for specific things such as the ability to have like an hourly weather table to go show what transpires on a uh, given time frame throughout you know a 24-hour period and not just the day what's the high the low and the wind direction like we we need more information than that to be able to determine what is going to constitute as a good day or a bad day so something that gives you barometric pressure gives you the wind speed over a time frame opposed to that general speed and direct they're just direction on a given day yeah um so those those what are some of the things what are some of the things, if you were to rank them out, um, that you're looking for most importantly in a weather app that's provided to to then gather your hunting strategy? So yeah, temperature for absolutely. sure, wind speed absolutely, yep, relative humidity absolutely, yeah, barometric pressure absolutely. What else? I I like to look at almost make this like personal comparison of the seven day forecast and then to like the hourly and make the comparison of, of okay, not only do I want to know just generally, okay, is it cooler during that time frame uh, or during that day, but like why? What's happening? When is this weather front coming in? I need to understand how long it's going to be present. So I need that like seven day forecast, but I also need the timing of these fronts to be able to make a determination. If, if a front comes in 
in the middle of the night versus, you know, sunrise, that makes a difference. So, so having that factor uh, of being able to look at things again over a seven day, 10 day period, as well as that hourly aspect is super, uh, is super important to me to make that determination of, man, what am I doing? When yeah. am I going to do it? Am Absolutely. I going to sit out in the morning or am I going to go hunt in the afternoon? Which side of the front do I want to hunt on? Or which wind does, are we, are we getting a wind switch like middle of the day and we don't see that show up unless we really dive into the details of, of that day? That's yeah. important. Uh, to me, that's a great point because I think of like, if you were to, if you were to just take a, uh, a three day weather forecast and it's early season because that's what we're dealing with right now or soon yeah. to be as, as seasons opens up. If I have a three day forecast, I would want I would want the coolest day of those three. If yes. I have a seven day forecast, I would want the one where it's like, ooh, that day's different than the rest. Yeah. And 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 if you took if you took that's okay, that, that best day in the seven day forecast, let's say temperatures are average um seventy as seventy five as the high and fifty eight as the low on average for that seven day. But one of those days, the high is 63 and the low is 47. I like that day best. Yes. But if during that seven day period, the highs are 63 and 47 and it's all about the same, then I don't love it as much as I loved it when it was the oddball. Yes. Yes. And yes. and I see that a lot. Like even in the fall or even in, even in the late November or early November, if if I'm just seeing if you the thing I love about the app I use and you use is you can see the line graph and if the line graph is relatively it got it's got some highs because of the daytime and then it's got little lows for the nighttime highs and lows and it just kind of goes a slight zigzag across I'm kind of going nah this is yep. not I like seeing those drastic changes because those drastic changes create those weather fronts where you get different wind wind directions. And it and it kind of shakes up things to where I feel, in my experience, deer move, deer predictability, and uh, is a lot better when you can see those those major changes. Like yeah. like the story of donuts. I mean, and and just because it's the October lull, and I say that with air quotes, um, the October lull is when, when is the October lull, Matt? Like. Define it for me. What is the October lull? It usually, it's essentially, some, essentially the the time period when it just gets hot during October, which could yeah. be at any point. There's no like set range of us. Oh, generally, the fifteenth through the eighteenth. Yeah. No, it's just like it could it could be the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth. If it's hot that week, someone's just going to call it the October lull. Yeah, it's it's sometime in October when deer stop moving because it gets really warm, and it doesn't mean they stop moving. It just means that. Moving to food plots is probably lower. They, yes. They're hanging in their beds longer and moving more at night because it's too doggone hot. They have a winter coat on, and we have summer-like temperatures. Well, yeah. if that's the case, then you just base your hunting strategy around where they're bedded during the day. And that's a whole other podcast. But the October lull... You know, typically sometime in our in our world, it seems like it hits more in early to mid-October. Well, uh, October 12th and 13th, a few years ago, we had the the first 
big cold front of the fall, and it actually brought the first heavy frost of the fall. And yep. it was like, even though it's October 12th, let's let's check and see. Oh, you know what? There's a drastic drop in our line graph happening the night of the 12th. Let's go hunting that night, and let's try to hunt it. You know, in a in a in a course of a few days, it was like let's try to hunt right before it and then right after it. Um, and that was the night I missed donuts. You know, 193 yep. inch buck on the on the Whistling Woodlands Ranch. So um, that kind of is like okay, you know, even though it's early October, that that drastic change in the in the weather is what I'm keying in on. And so for you guys um, that have limited time to hunt, ah, man, I just like, I, uh, I, I feel like where I'm at in my life, so many guys can relate. You, you, time is limited. You got other things going on. It's hard to really get in the woods as much as we would like. So when we do go to the woods, let's make sure that we're picking the very best days. If, if you can go once every two weeks, then pick the very best day of those two weeks. And if you can only go on weekends in the two weeks, so you have four days, pick the one that's the best and start studying and say, okay, well, where you see that drastic drop, then then that's the day to go. And and honestly, if it's and if it's only gonna happen once in the morning, then then save your afternoon hunt for another time. Yeah. And stop yeah. burning out holes or burning out stands just to go because you had a small window of time because I I'm I'm I say this so confidently now based on my experience that if you would just pick the best days and not go just to go, even though in the grand scheme of things you would have less days in a spent in a stand, the quality of that time in that stand would be much greater than just going to go for sure for sure and, and you kind of touched on a couple things that i want to reiterate is the consistent weather of 40s at night 60s in the, the 60s during the day that consistency um doesn't create spikes in activity if you have consistent weather patterns across a multi-day time frame you're going to experience roughly the same type of movement identical movement from one day to the next and and that's good um you know consistency it sounds like oh i I want consistency but what you really want is is like turbulence or change in what's happening throughout each and every day you want spikes um Absolutely. You want those spikes. You want the, I think we lost Matt for a second as he's traveling, but you want those spikes because like, uh, for example, um, I see this in, in my experience where I would rather have those spikes that would bring in different wind directions. Um, for example, I know the dreaded Southeast wind is, um, something that so many people don't plan for, they don't set up stands for, they, um, or if they do, it's a, it's a small number. Um, I would rather have a front come through and give me a Southeast wind than, than a front not really ever come in. And I'm talking about a good front that's actually changing temperature 
it's changing um, atmospheric pressure. It's it's overall just changing things up, and um, and by doing that, if it gives me a southeast wind, who cares? I'm I'm happy about it because it gives me a change in um, in what's going on uh, on my farm. So I, I know that. We all dream of the northwest wind, or we dream of the west winds, or the north winds, and, and that's kind of the the growing trend. I mean, guys, I can't reiterate enough that Matt and I have been blessed enough to work in 30 states now, and almost everywhere we go, the prevailing wind is never something out of the east. It seems like everybody says, that's ah, probably from the southwest, or it's from the northwest, or it's from the north, or it's west. Nobody ever talks about the southeast winds, and here on our farm um southeast wind is in the last four years has become the dominating wind for whatever reason that's that's the wind that really we get a lot of and so we have just as many southeast wind sets as we have northwest winds um i mean just the way it works we have a lot of southeast winds and a lot of times what happens for us is we'll have a cold front blow through and quickly the day after we're starting to shift back to southeast winds. And in that time frame, we got the cool temperatures, wind shifts, we're back to southeast wind. It doesn't bother me. I just like seeing that change in temperatures. I like seeing those cold front blow through because I know that in that it shakes things up. The The lukewarm or the, 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 the stagnant weather patterns even if even if it's cooler, let's say it's a below average temperatures for two weeks. I don't. Uh, if it's there, you are back, and you need to switch that back over to your to your phone. You you just you just fell off the table, Matt, and I just picked it up and ran with it. So, um, I, I I basically was saying, you know, when it comes to the cold fronts I, I i would rather see a cold front come through and give me a southeast wind which is like the dreaded one than no cold front at all or a cold front for temperatures to stay the same for five days and to be nothing but northwest winds i don't like that i, I want to see the, the the wind tables shift i want i want some northwest i want some west i want it to switch over to southeast two days later i want to switch back to northwest two days later i want it to be southwest and uh and so all that coming into play, um, that's that's a big part of what I'm looking for. And so um, we lost Matt again, guys. I, I don't know what's going on. He and so here we are. Um, the 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 weather app of choice for both of us is Wonder Ground. It's a free app um, on the App Store. You can get it almost anywhere. And it's it's called Wonder Ground. W U N D E R G R O U N D Wonder Ground and it's a great great app that we use both in fire and hunting and then just every day checking to see if we're getting weather front so it's got radar it's got it all uh, that that we're looking for it's it's got it so you know you plug in your address and then it automatically give you different things and there's some things even Matt just taught me recently of how to utilize this tool um the best and so for us what i'm really looking for is uh when you open it up you can you can look at the radar look at like current conditions um 
and, and I'm doing this all up on phone. I think you can use it on a desktop. I don't know if I ever have. If I'm using weather on a desktop, I'm using a different source. Um, and then you've got daily forecast, hourly forecast, and then all the way down to sun and moon, which is another thing I'd like to point out here. Are you finally with us, Matt? I'm, I'm back. I had a little technical difficulties there with the phone service. Sorry. Where are you at I'm, now I'm, uh, in the world? I'm through the St. James area right now. And where are you headed? I'm headed back to the house. Oh. Okay. Were you dropping your brother off in St. Louis? Yes. Oh, I thought he flew into Springfield. Nope, unfortunately not. Gotcha. No, so we'll we'll drop this morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was when you said you were dropping off at the airport early, I was like, Okay, cool, you'll be back back home by eight, nine o'clock. And then you said you were driving, I'm like <laughs> I don't know what happened, but you sure drug it around in Springfield, but never mind. Um, yeah, no doubt. Gotcha. Okay. So Wonderground, uh I was just telling them about about that and, and kinda of jumping in. Yeah. So um, one of the quick things, I don't know, the thing that I always jump for, especially this time of year, is the daily forecast. And so it goes out, yep. it goes out 10 days, I believe, or maybe just, yeah, 10 days. And, um, uh, and I'm looking at the, the rain chances. And if you pull up that, you can see the, the zigzag effect where it's just, and as you scroll as you scroll through you'll see it just go doop 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 it'll rise up during the day and drop down during the uh at night and in all that um it's very if you if you were to base a hunt off of this if you were to base a hunt off of this week i would be very upset with with the weather forecast cuz there is really no difference between today or 10 days from now Wednesday the 15th, actually the opener of Missouri archery season. There's really nothing different. Uh, you go from, uh, I'll just read out the highs, 89, 80, 81, 85, 89, 90, 92, 87, 85. The day that stuck out was the 80-degree day. Okay, well, what's the low? The lows are um, 60, 61, 55, 56, 62, 65, 66, 68, 65, 63. So obviously that 80 <laughs> and 55 is the best day, but it's not. It's not great compared to the others. And it's not even season yet, but that kind of gives you an idea. Out of all that, the coolest day is this Wednesday, two days from now. Yep. And it's not it's even stagnant. It's it's and that's exactly the word I said on a seven day forecast. I don't like lukewarm. I don't like stagnant, where it's just the common theme. And so, yeah. as I told them, Matt, I don't even sure what all, but even if there's a drastic change and it gives me a southeast wind, I'm happy about it. Even though it's yeah. the dreaded wind, southeast doesn't scare me. I like them. Um, and because my farm, I have I have the ability to set up with southeast winds pretty well. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking at that and, and that's kind of, when I look at the line graph, I'm really just looking for a, a major change in the, in the line graph of, of, uh, a pretty good drop. Or what I like to see is whenever you hit that peak one day and it starts to drop as the sun goes down, the next day it never really climbs back up. It just continues to drop or 
kind of level off at that low. The high for one day is what the low was the day previously. That's the day I like. Yeah, and I also look for the compounding variables. So what I mean by that is, is if you have these changes in weather temperatures, so these swings, that means there's usually a front of some sort. So pressure is going to be changing as that's happening as well. So it's not like, oh, that's just good just because the temperature changes. Well, there's other factors that are moving and changing as well. And then you usually get a, a wind direction change or a wind direction, I mean, wind speed change on that, those days too, um, where, where you have this more turbulence or, or bigger temperature drop. So it's these compounding things that all add up to, wow, man, deer are going to respond to that yeah. um, out there and, and, and move differently because of it at yeah. different intensities. Other thing I like in this line graph is relative humidity. So early in the season, humidity comes into play for us pretty significantly. Um, basically, I mean, how much moisture we have in the air. And and so I always combine that with wind speed, um, which is also on this. So if I have high humidity and low wind speed, those are days I'm skipping yeah. out on. I hate them. I, I'm just like, nope, I'm not going to sit in a cloud bank and let my scent just fall all around me. I, Adam, I don't. Yesterday, yesterday or two days ago, I hung a set, and obviously it's still September, low wind speed, high humidity. We had rain the day before, and so that night it never, the humidity didn't ever leave. Next day, mid-morning, I went and hung the stand, and, and, and the canopy, full leaf coverage, just trapped all that hot air from off the ground yeah. and humidity. And, and, and it was 15, 20 foot above. I sat in the tree stand, basically checked to make sure shooting lanes were clear. I got out of there because it was awful. It was like you were sitting at the, the top of a bubble and all the hair, hot air has risen. You have no wind speed to move that and get it away from your area. And we're asking deer who have amazing noses to come into that little environment, a 30-yard distance circumference around you. No way that's going to happen on a on a very regular basis in those specific conditions, especially early season. Absolutely. Ah. Oh, yeah. It's just like a disaster to even try it. Um, so, And I don't care to hunt high, humid days as long as the wind speeds up. But they don't happen that much. Usually, yeah. if it's because if it's really windy, a lot of that air or that front is getting pushed out. And so it's not just wet damp air sitting around so but if it's over 10 and still at 80 percent or higher relative humidity i'm fine with it depending on the situation depending on the stand location but i don't get i do not set and i can i almost i I try to fight saying absolutes but one thing i can almost guarantee is i don't hunt days with a less than five mile an hour wind speed and high humidity and higher temperatures yeah. because it's just, it's like I'm wasting my time. Unless I'm trying to shoot does and I know I've got a spot where I can go and thin a couple out, I'll do it. But I'm not sure. chasing a target buck in those conditions. So this this hourly graph is awesome. Um, Matt, why don't you talk a little bit about the um, the current conditions part that you like really well? Yeah, so, so when you open up that app and you – you're immediately looking at, okay, what's what's happening outside uh, right there real time. 
um, that, that temperature. So, so the kind of interface of that app, it tells you the temperature, it tells you the wind speed, and a little compass to tell you wind direction. Um, and then below that temperature, it tells you like the fuel like. And, but it's kind of surrounded by a little bit like a, of a bar graph, color graph to show you intensity of, of the heat. Um, so what, what, I'll, what you can do there, once you see that for your given area code, is it doesn't seem like it's a button, but tap that temperature. Let's say it's 75 degrees out, hit 75, and it will pull up more detailed information regarding that area's barometric pressure. It will tell you more about the relative humidity. It will tell you more about uh, whether it's rising or falling pressure. Uh, it will give you more information regarding the, the rain percentage chance. And then if you, you can look at all that, determine, again, what's happening um, right now, current, current real time. And then on another note, you go back to that same interface and you hit the uh, rain percentage chance. It'll pull up when is that rain over the next, like, 24-hour period, kind of in a line graph situation or orientation tell you that as well so that kind of in a quick snapshot easy to get to is right there um kind of one tap way you open up the app pulls pulls it right up tap it once and and you have all that information displayed at you to kind of again compare contrast of, of what's happening now versus what's going to be happening in in the near future um so it, it allows you to make those kind of quicker sec- second uh decisions whether you're Looking at your, you're at lunch on at work or something. You're like, do I need to go this afternoon or not? That's just kind of what I pull up and, and make that determination. Absolutely, I think that's you know that's that's all great points. Hopefully, can help people because I know sometimes when when you haven't really gotten kind of the grasp of what all to look for, it's easy to go, okay, there's the weather. I can look at the line graph and see the rise and falls of the highs and the lows. I can see a difference between this day and that, and then barometric pressure. And that's when, if you're looking at barometric pressure and you follow it, you follow it well, and you can see, okay, there's barometric pressure. That's kind of the range I like. I like this temperature range, and I like this wind speed, and I like this relative humidity. I like this cloud cover. And all that aligns, you're like, whoa. You have like three days each fall that's like, that's yeah. the killing day. And so then you go, well, if I've already, okay, that's the killing day. And there's the wind that I need to kill out of those stands. But I've already hunted them three times during early season. You go, oh, I might have really already messed up my fall before it really even got good. If you think about yeah, it like it, that, it, and that's what I think most people, including myself, have done so many times in the past, um, that really you got a few days to really make it count. And if you're hunting your good spots, because that's the only real spot you have for that win, that's when you can create problems. And and when the other important factor in that too is a lot of that you could overhunt areas if your access isn't good and we get we go down that road in another podcast but when you when you have clean access maybe three times it isn't burnout spot maybe it takes more than that but but i know for a fact if you're going in there on poor conditions and your access is bad yeah that that stand could be pretty much toast and just experience a lot of day uh um, day i'm assuming nighttime activity opposed to to daylight 
And yeah. so there's there's a lot of these factors that kind of go into it, but at the same time, some of it's once you get the the gist of it uh, of how these factors and variables influence deer movement, um, it, it all makes sense. And, and another way to kind of let's say check yourself to make sure that you do know, um, you know how how much play or variance there is with have. Like for, for us, we'll use the Cuddy Link system, but if you have cellular cameras, you can look and know how much activity there is each day on given weather conditions because you're updated daily. But if you're pulling a card, you can really go back and look at previous weather um, from, from, you know, six days ago. Wow, it seems like a lot of deer moved. That's hard to get to. That's hard to find, um, kind of that historical saved information. So here in this time frame of, of having the real-time information and real-time photos of what happened that day, it gives you that sense of, man, they, they moved a lot, or, yeah, it's just normal. Well, maybe it was normal because nothing changed drastically in the weather. It's, it's <laughs> that, that kind of gauge of, of temperature, excuse me, the gauge of how much activity is actually happening out there on, on a given property. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm almost to the point now uh, that I would say that if you're basing your hunting strategy off of trail cameras that aren't cellular, you're you're really shooting yourself in the foot um, because the information is unless you're checking it very frequently. But then we can talk about how checking trail cameras very frequently can definitely overpressure a property, uh, yeah. <laughs> depending on where you've got your trail cameras up. I feel like if if you're just running normal, pull the card, go back and check and see what's been moving, that's a, in my opinion, a bad way to base a hunting strategy. Um, wouldn't you agree, Matt? Yeah, I, I just it's more or less reactionary, and and you're it's it's information to have, but it doesn't allow you to plan as good or as well as having real time information at your disposal. Um, we've, we've specifically targeted and hunted deer based on the previous day's movement or the previous five days movement, um, on, on a given card, or maybe man, that buck showed up in that area last night. Let's go in hunt between those two bedding thickets and that saddle. Oh, there's an encounter with them or there's a harvest with them. I think I can't remember the name of the buck that you killed a couple of years ago. Um, but, um, that, that was a similar situation. Showed up multiple times in a saddle on a scrape. It's like, well, gosh, that we need to go hunt that deer. Like yeah. tomorrow, the conditions are right. You and Chad went in there. You harvested the deer. And I think like the next day, same thing. Uh, it was early November. We didn't know where um, going to hunt. We're like, well, let's see what happens o- overnight on tailings. And a good deer was in an area. And I went in. I think that I think the next morning. And, and harvested what we think was the same deer on, on camera, just yeah. circling this bedding area. It's like it, you can get that if you don't have that information readily available to compare and contrast with the conditions of can I get to that stand in that area? Can I get there? Can I hunt it? What's the wind be like? What what's the all these other factors? Do they line up? Do they make sense to have an encounter? And, and all of it's based on general probability. Yeah, but it, probability it makes a difference. Like, you yeah, know, I don't want I, I, a twenty-five percent chance versus a seventy-five percent chance. That's a lot. And I'm going look at it like this: 
you've got a, a probability with the weather patterns. So just, you know, based on if you're hunting with, with the weather, it's all about probability. Are they going to yep. move based on this weather front? Are they going to move around my food plot based on this weather front? Um, okay, that sounds good. But with pulling the card trail cameras, that's defensive hunting. You're, you're, it's reactionary hunting. You're, you're basically yeah. seeing a history and going, okay, how do I hunt based on history? Knowing it's a wild animal yeah. and he may only be there once that fall. But that's a history hunting. But if you combine the two, it's still it's it's, it's very hard to to be unless he's a really good pattern on the history. It's really hard to to be successful in that. But if you combine that with probability hunting and the weather fronts, knowing he's in this area because based on your history, okay, yeah, that that sounds that that's much uh, that's leading to more success. But if you combine that with you know, habitat, not to give a little pitch on habitat improvement here, but it, it comes in crucial going, okay, trail cameras, if you're using those cards and you're going, okay, he's in this area of the farm, and then I have this dense pocket of bedding that's maybe two acres, and I've got a weather front that's coming, and it's October 20th and later, November 1st, then I have a really good success rate if I can go in there and hunt the downwind side of that bedding area. That's what I would like to see. For sure. Yeah. Well, so. and and I was already going to take it a, a habitat route because this is not just a weather app type deal. This is a, this is how everything gets back into play. All these elements, but essentially we're talking, or, or your your situation right there was was discussing one buck, right? When I'm talking probability. I'm I'm talking about the opportunity if you have good herd management, great habitat on good weather days, I don't want to see one buck. If, if they're good days, we should be experiencing, if all of these elements are being worked on and improved, the herd dynamics and the habitat, um, the defined features on a property and good weather days, we should be experiencing multiple bucks doing very similar things all those elements are in place and you're choosing those days to hunt. It's not just a, well, that's, that's the one buck kind of, kind of deal. Maybe he shows up this year. Maybe he doesn't kind of like the podcast down that you, you and Chad recorded, man, man, this is, this is the stuff where we want good days, tons of observations because it's all working in sync with one another. It's not just, I've got this element or I'm in a good area. I'm in a good neighborhood. So, I'll, I'll leech off and, and just kind of get lucky at some point during the year. Something's going to yield a result. No. Yeah. Again, high probability confidence that it's going to happen here on these conditions during this time of the year because this is what deer need and this is how they move on the landscape. That's, I want the probability to be almost to the point that I'm certain of it. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm, I'm not satisfied and setting up a property consulting wise or hunting a property until I'm certain that that's going to happen. That's Almost right. to the point of certain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I can't predict the future here, but at the same time, I can feel, I can feel very certain and confident that these situations are, or um, these scenarios will play out because of all the factors that are at play here. That's right. Yep. Yep. And I think that so, hopefully pretty well, Gives the guys a good idea of of the 
the three spheres of predicting a, a successful hunt. You've got your your history or your trail cam observations of knowing, and it could be visual observations like you, your eyes, yeah. you, you've watched, and then you have your habitat layout, which is another huge factor, in my opinion, more important than than the than the observations with trail cameras or eyes glassing them with binoculars and then you have the other side which is the weather front you got to have the weather to get them on their feet to to then and you got to have the buck that's sphere one you got to have the habitat that's sphere two and then you got to have the weather to put him on his feet more likely uh in in range and that's kind of the three-headed monster that we're trying to navigate through yeah, and to increase all that probability of a happening. And and I want sure. to make a clear line in the difference in, in habitat and in going that if you haven't done the habitat management and, and a lot of outdoor television hasn't shown you what you can do with habitat management because what they're showing you in like an outfitter is, you know, a food source or a lot of acres that they manage the hunting on it. Standing crop. Standing crop that other people haven't done. But you haven't seen, most people haven't seen deer respond to a well manicured habitat program where you have the diversity within the forest or the old fields and all that coming into play most people haven't got to see that and once you do you're like that i'd rather have 400 acres managed like that than 2000 the another way that's just nothing but food plots and so that's uh that's hopefully something that people are working towards because I can promise you, once you've spent a rut, uh, a fall hunting a property that has dense cover like bedding thickets or edge feathering on bigger food plots where they're coming in on the on the side of the food plot that you're setting on, your access is laid out great. You, it's like you haven't even seen fish, that world. Fish in a barrel. Yeah, you haven't even seen that world. Um, so yep. anyway, guys, we appreciate you listening each week. And... Um, uh, we'll be right back here next week as we get right here closer to Missouri archery season. Let's go right here around the corner, guys. Appreciate you listening.